What is up, everybody? Frankie Cardicelli, Chris Watkins, as always, we are back. We had to make an episode today because obviously the Sacramento Kings moved up to number four in the NBA draft. Uh, we've been talking about the NBA lottery, and uh, you know, I released a video on KHK talking about the uh, the odds of of the or the history of people moving back uh, or moving up from number seven in the NBA draft, and it's happened every year since they've adjusted the lottery odds. And sure enough, the Sacramento Kings are blessed with moving up to the number four spot, uh, Frank. First off, were you expecting I actually you know what I'm not even going to ask you because I know you were. Tell me how excited you were when they moved up because I know that you thought they were going to move down. Not even stay, I know you thought that they were going to move to like 9 or 8. Yeah, I think we talked about it last week just what our expectations were and it's always tough to not get excited for the lottery. I mean, I I have gotten really excited over the past what three or four lotteries and uh, it all goes back uh, 16 to 16 lotteries. Well, yeah, 16, of course. But <laughs> but 2018 was electric when you saw the Kings move up to number two. And and I think we all were kind of hoping that that would go the same way. But um, yesterday I was pretty, pretty um, low energy going through COVID, mind you. Uh, my first mm. my first go around with COVID not been a fun time. Uh, so my energy was really low all day. Just been holed up in my room and. Um, I will say as soon as it got to eight and the Kings didn't drop to eight and we were on that seventh spot, I, I was like sitting in my bed and at, as soon as eight came up and I knew it wasn't the Kings, I like went to the floor. Like I got like on my knees and was like leaning like on my hands and knees, like towards the TV, just waiting in anticipation. And, uh, as soon as I saw that Blazers logo, I dude, I I I got some adrenaline that I really needed, and uh, kind of tapering off now. I'm kind of crashing, but um, very exciting, man. Very excited that the Kings get a, I won't say a do over from 2018 because that was inexcusable, and Luca is arguably a top three talent in the NBA now. Um, but they get a, a do over in a sense of they they are handed another golden ticket kind of in a sense they they get another chance to jump forward and they're gonna get a crack at a top talent in the draft whereas seven or eighth I don't think they would have had I mean we'll see what happens and how things pan out for the next couple of years because with the draft you never know but uh you have to feel better about being at the fourth spot so I'm feeling great I'm feeling really optimistic I think this offseason is gonna kind of um it's got kind of like a jolt I think things are kind of gonna be moving quick for the front office as far as getting people in for draft workouts, some big names. Um, I'm excited. Chris, how'd you take it? How were, were you feeling? I can't remember if you told me or not. You thought they were going to jump. Did you think they're going to jump? Frankie, I told you yesterday um, that I all day had a weird feeling that the Kings were going to win the lottery. I was like, you know what? I don't know why 7.5 sounds pretty high to me. Uh, and oh, as I get an email, let's ignore that. We're ignoring work for the next uh, 45 minutes. Um, I was expecting them to win the lottery. I don't know what, why, or how, but um, my expectation was we're going to go in and by God, Demonis Sabonis is going to bring us the good luck we need, and he's going to win that damn thing. And when, when that, when, when, uh, like you said, when the Portland, Bla- uh, Portland Trailblazers logo came up, uh, and we saw that we had jumped, I was like, oh my God. Like, I, it was almost, I don't want to say it was out of body because that's very dramatic, but I definitely felt weightless for a moment of time. And I was like, we're going to get, Chet- we're going to get young Sean Bradley and, uh, things are going to, things are going to change around here. Very game winner esque. I feel like is it the feeling that I can kind of compare yeah. that to like a buzzer beater where you just kind of feel it. It's kind of like out of body. It's like an out of body experience where you're just kind of like, Oh my God, that really just happened. But then um, I think you shared a little disappointment why I texted you originally because they didn't go to the top three, which is of yeah. course we didn't move to the top three. And it's kind of like a three, there's like a three headed monster at the top of the draft with Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith and, and Paolo Bencaro. But oh, um it, it does suck that they didn't get to kind of get into that area, but um, I think we'll have some discussions in a few minutes here about some people could fall or, or jump, what have you. But um, I'm just, I'm, I think it's a huge win. They're number four, like, right. I mean, we can, we can agree that 
that the Kings having a fourth pick is it's an asset first and foremost for themselves or for another team. Um, someone out there might say, Hey, we, we, we really want Jaden Ivy or we really want Keegan Murray. And he might not be there at five or six or seven and they're drafting either 10th and, and the Kings can say, okay, well maybe you have something we're interested in. So um, it changes everything as far as that goes. If, if the Kings stayed at seven or fell to eight or nine, they're that team trying to, to trade up and, and, and maybe have to move an asset or, or a Rashawn Holmes or a Davion Mitchell to, to move up to get a player that they wanted. Now, they're in the driver's seat. They they can move Rashawn or if they if they choose to move Davion, which I'm not saying I want them to, but he is a he is their youngest uh player with with the most control. Um maybe that they they have some chips to move around and play with now. So this changes everything as far as the offseason and what they can and can't do. Um so it's a win. I definitely agree. I mean, there's no way that this can be viewed as anything but positive for the Sacramento Kings. I mean, you you like you said, seven, there's nothing really guaranteed at number seven. You're you're kind of hoping that somebody that that you were higher on than than most teams falls to you. Um, and that's kind of the best case scenario where at four you kind of have, you know, not not the top pick of the litter, but you still get uh, some of the top prospects. And, um, you know, you were talking a, a second ago about how um, we might we probably missed out on the Paolo Bencaro, uh, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith thing. Um, I'm not so certain of that. You know, it, it always ends up happening in the draft where something will surprise us in the top five. Um, I remember last year, every it was a foregone conclusion. You can check every single mock draft that was out there. The Toronto Raptors were going to take Jalen Suggs at number four and surprise everyone by taking Scotty Barnes, who, mind you, was the uh, rookie of the year last year, was taken at number four. Uh, so th- I say that to say things happen. You never know. Um, maybe Detroit is doesn't like Paolo Bancaro and, and wants to go with Jaden Ivey instead. Or, or you mean whatever. Houston? Uh, Houston, I'm sorry. That's Yeah, Houston. Um, though that would be a little weird fit with um, with uh, Jalen Green. But I'm more just say to say, you know, you never know what's going to happen in, in the top of the draft. And uh, things, things can change. And, and, you know, Keegan Murray might end up being uh, Keegan Murray might slip into that top three. Who knows? Maybe AJ Griffin in in the pre draft process becomes a clear number four um, prospect. Things happen is is more my point, and it's it's all, nothing but good for the Kings because uh, they're gonna get uh, they're gonna get a lot of offers, I think, or be able to create a lot of uh, packages with that number four pick. And it's going to be exciting to uh, to look at all of these prospects and get a good idea of uh, of what's out there, and you can you can kind of evaluate wh- which you feel like is a better opportunity for you. Um, the interesting thing for me will be how much of Monty McNair's contract uh, goes into the decision uh, at what they do with four, whereas like maybe if Monty had more security, he would more feeling he'd feel more inclined to take a risk on a shade and sharp. Whereas, you know, with, with him having such a short uh, leash on his contract, maybe he, he, he'd lean more towards a Keegan Murray, someone who seems to be ready now or, or a Paolo Bencaro. Um, Or if he, he's more inclined to trade it because he, he feels like I don't have time to see any of these guys develop. And I would much rather, cash in this number four and cash in, like you said, Rashawn Holmes or something and see, see if you can get, I don't, I don't know who's, who's available at this moment. Um, you know, the, the rumor mill hasn't quite started, but there's always every summer, there's always some disgruntled NBA star who wants to find a new home. And, uh, you know, maybe Sacramento can be that place. Maybe, you know, I don't know if Bradley Beal's an ideal fit, but, um, you know, so, someone like that would probably be the dream case scenario for the Kings. Yeah, like I'm, I'm looking at the the lottery here, and or the lottery the, now it's the draft order. Excuse yeah. Me. Um, and one thing I kind of want to point out is is the Kings didn't tank, and it was a topic of discussion all season long. The Kings need to tank. The Kings need to tank, and they played poor basketball, but it wasn't tanking by definition. <laughs> and we should be thankful they didn't, because if they did continue to to lose games and and try to beat out those teams like Indiana and Portland, who I think they both ended the season on on big losing streaks. Yeah, Portland and Indiana and Detroit for that for for that matter, they all dropped in the lottery. The Kings jumped three spots, so things happen as they should. 
And I'm not trying to sit here and get philosophical. Big karma guy. Everything happens for a reason, but it's, you know, let the, let the basketball gods drive. Sometimes they don't drive the Kings in the right direction every time, mind you. But in this scenario, they won 30 games and it was a bad season, but they're the only team in that seven, six, seven, eight range that jumped. Uh, the Rockets also dropped and OKC jumped and so did the the magic, but uh, the Kings were the big winner here. They're the team that jumped the most spots in this draft. They jumped three spots and it it's kind of funny how it works. It, it's kind of similar to what happened with the, the DeMarcus Cousins trade. And when the Kings jumped to number three and there was a pick swap and they had to go to five, but um Raindrop drop top. Yeah, the Nick Stauskas pick swap tweet. Jesus, what a time. Um, But it's it's interesting how that worked out because now you look at the Sabonis trade and they they get DeMontis Sabonis, two more years of him, and essentially I won't say you got a a fourth overall pick too, but um, who's to say the Kings get a fourth overall pick if they they hang on to Tyrese Halliburton? Maybe the Kings have the seventh or eighth pick. You never know who uh, some of these guys could turn into. But um, look, the the draft is a crapshoot, and we're going to see so many rumors pop up over the next month. Um, like things we say today might not matter next week. It's just that, That's how the draft works. The Kings can bring in Jaden Ivey next week, and he can blow everybody away. Um, a week later, they could bring in Keegan Murray, and then rumors could circulate saying that the Kings are having dinner with him at Doko. Uh we, we've seen the picture of Luka Doncic with Vladi Divox. We, we we don't need to keep going down that rabbit hole. Um, I would I would say look at what the experts are saying. And today, just this morning, you know, a new Woj pod, uh, Mike Schmitz from from ESPN. Uh, he he's big on obviously everything NBA draft. He's a guy that's super plugged in. He knows what's going on. Knows a lot more than I do. I'm assuming he knows more than what what you know, Chris. Uh, no, he doesn't. Probably, know. No, no, he, he definitely does. No, Mike Schmitz is like is a goat. Like that, he's in the Mike Schmitz. If I'm not uh, mistaken, um, is the creator and like overall was the was the driving force behind Draft Express, which mm-hmm. we all grew up, you know, knowing that that iconic music um, where they would show you know every prospect's strengths and weaknesses. And uh, yeah, I mean, Mike Schmitz has been in the game for years and he, he's definitely a legend. So well, I, I would definitely take everything he says um, about the recruiting process or as if, at, not the recruiting process, the uh, the uh, prospects and, and the, the draft process. If you do take what he says seriously and you, you, you're you into that kind of thing. Here's what he said today. I'm going to see if I can play this about uh, Keegan Murray in the Sacramento Kings. And like needing to compete now and like get a guy who can fit with these pieces. It's Keegan Murray, like yeah. to a T. Yeah. Like, this guy scored 24 points a game, having almost no plays called for him. And he, it seems like forever they've been looking for like a big rangy wing. Um, and I just think he, he would be ideal alongside Sabonis, alongside Davion Mitchell, um, De'Aaron Fox. Like he fits yeah. perfectly. Go through Jonathan Gavoni's mock draft that he's got up on ESPN.com. And he's got Paolo at three to Houston, Keegan Murray four to the Kings, and then Jaden Ivey at five to Detroit. Personally, I... So that's basically where we're looking at here. We're looking at out of the gates, the Keegan Murray train is is leaving the station. I mean, I think most Kings fans that were on Twitter during March Madness were very enamored with with Keegan Murray and what he was doing for Iowa. I mean, he was arguably the best college basketball player this year. Um, just look at what he did at Iowa. 26.5 points per game, a little under 10 rebounds, 2.2 blocks, 1.5 steals. So we're looking at a guy who, number one, he is a floor spacer, which the Kings definitely need next to Sabonis. 55% from the field, 40% from three, and he took five threes per game, mind you. Um this is college basketball. You know, we'll see how the shot translates. A uh, little Tyrese Halliburton throwback for you. Will the shot translate? Um, but a floor spacing forward that can play defense. I mean, I feel like Monty McNair is going to be all over that. I mean, do I guess I'm kind of getting to a point here where I want to ask you, Chris, just like right now, today, May 18th, the lottery was not even 24 hours ago. Do you have a favorite right now? 
for who you want the Kings to select, or are you kind of wanting to see how the next couple of weeks pan out? I definitely want to see how the next couple of weeks pan out. Um, you know, people's just just how experts see see the draft going. I definitely see Keegan Murray as somebody who's probably going to uh, to benefit from off season content and stuff like that. He's a big, rangy guy who can shoot. Those guys tend to uh, to definitely stick out. Uh, during the draft process, during the draft process, and uh, you know he has stats to back it up. I think he almost averaged three blocks a game, twenty six points, eleven rebounds in college, um, and you know he he was like Mike Schmidt said, he was pretty much uh, the team over there in at Iowa, and they didn't really run much uh, much of an offense around him. Um, I think. I think Keegan Murray's probably the favorite at the moment, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you hear a lot about Jaden Ivey, if you hear a lot about AJ Griffin um, and uh, um, you know, just, just any and everything. Again, I, I really feel like we're going to hear a lot about maybe the possibility of Paolo Bancaro slipping, or um, I don't, I, I feel pretty confident that Jabari and Chet are going to be one and two, but um you never know. I just I, well, I think a lot of things happen during the draft process and people find injuries that weren't there. I don't know if the Kings are necessarily in the range where that they'll be affected by that, but you never know. I mean, Chet's a really skinny guy and if he, you know, gets gets I, I shouldn't even say this cuz they're draft prospects, but if if something happens if they find anything in any of their medicals, things can happen. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like Orlando they have Suggs. They still have Markel Fultz in their contract. Um, they probably do need to focus on getting a, a big. I mean, I know that the the uh, the Mo Bamba thing didn't really work out. I mean, he's he's turned himself into kind of a, a serviceable big. I think he had a good year last season. Um, but I I would be pretty surprised if they went with the guard. I I again though it's a draft. Anything goes. And Monty McNair has proven he will draft the player who he believes is the best player available in the matter, no matter the position. Um, he drafted Tyrese Halliburton, a guard who he should have. He was the best. He was by, he was definitely the best player available at 12 in 2020. Um, and then last year, even though he had two guards under contract with three, really Darren Fox, Tyrese Halliburton and buddy healed, uh, he drafts Davion Mitchell. So maybe Monty McNair hasn't made up in his mind that Jaden Ivy is the guy that should go at number four. I mean, it seems like this, if you cast the the wide net out over the other mock, mock drafts from around the NBA world, Jaden Ivey seems to be the popular pick at four, and people say he is a guy that could be a reason why a, a Bancaro would fall to four. Um, so that's what that's what's interesting to me. Interesting to me is going to be the the fact that it's very rare, like you said, that the top three or four go by the book, and last year was a perfect example of that. Uh, you never know who the Rockets could be having an eye on. They they might be envisioning a backcourt where they get to to put Shaden Sharp. They might be really big on Shaden Sharp or, or Jaden Ivey. Um, AJ Griffin's a guy who I also wouldn't, you know, as far as a jump in the draft, the Kings could be someone who uh, they're looking for defense. They are bringing Mike Brown in, who is a defensive-minded coach, and they are pretty shallow at the forward position. Harrison Barnes is, is an expiring contract. Uh, they don't really have a backup small forward. I mean, they, Mo Harkless is under contract, but I don't know what their plans are with him next season. Maybe AJ Griffin's a guy they, they look to for, for defense. There's just so many possibilities that are going to pop up. And um, I, I hope we get some answers in the next couple of weeks as far as pre-draft workouts. Um, I really don't like it when teams select people they didn't, that, that, that didn't work out for them. I mean, the Kings drafted Ben McLemore, Thomas Robinson, um, I don't know if Marvin Bagley even worked out for them. If I, I can't really remember though. Um, do you remember if Marvin Bagley worked out for the Kings in 2018? I don't remember any specific, um, content about it, but that's kind of how we end up learning about, you know, it, and it's always tough. The Kings aren't often in this position where they're actually at the top of the draft. They're usually in the seven eights, um, and like usually with top top prospects, they're usually um, pretty sly about how they move um, around for for private workouts and stuff because 
agents like to set a precedent of like, we're not working out for anybody past five or something because we believe that he's a top five pick. So, Bagley um, did work out for the Kings. I'm just rambling, way. but yeah, I'm, no, I'm more he, saying, yeah. He did work out for the Kings. Um, point is, I would be surprised if the Kings get one of Holmgren, Smith, or Bankero to Sacramento for a workout. That's just, that's my concern. If they get one of those guys to Sacramento, I feel a lot better about it. I mean, Bankero was a guy in college. He, he had, he cramped a lot. Like he had, it's a huge cramping problem. Like, yeah. A, he has like an incredible, like, uh, it, it definitely went viral. Cause I saw it like 12 times this season where he like sweats profusely. Mm-hmm. Like he loses, like, I think they said like 10 pounds a game off of it, sweat. It's crazy. It's, it's something like that. It's like five, 10 pounds. This First off, so I relate much. my guy. Like I'm a big heavy sweater and it's not cute, but like 10 pounds, like, that's insane. Like, that's definitely like you need to talk with some real medical professional oh, for sure, because that could <laughs> I feel like well, that's not natural. I, I can't remember what but professional athlete commented on like a it was like a House of Highlights post or something about how Bancaro had to keep going to the locker room to get hydrated or something. And um, I can't remember. who It was a pro basketball player. I can't remember who it was. It was from back in the 90s. And he said that he, he I don't know if he was a thyroid problem or what, but he's like, I had a. I had like a, a medical condition that I needed to have taken care of. And th- that was one of the main things I kept sweating and, and was always dehydrated. And I'm sure that Van is on this and I'm sure he's getting the medical, the medical stuff's going to have to come through no matter what through this draft. But um, point is I would, I don't want the Kings to draft anybody that they have not had in for a workout that they haven't sat down with and talked to. And Monty seems like the guy that's going to definitely go through that due diligence and he's not going to pull a Vladi or, or Pete D'Alessandro and, and just kind of, you know, go crazy and, and draft Chet Holmgren if he falls to four. I mean, if Chet Holmgren falls to four, I'm going to be kind of concerned about what those three teams before are, what information they're receiving. Um, but I guess let me ask you with this. I mean, because we, we're we going to talk about this the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to get into it with uh, our draft buddies, Bryant West from the Kings Herald, Bobby Gerald, um, from Hoop of Possession, we're going to reach out to those guys in the next couple of weeks and, and hopefully get some good conversations going with people that know more than we do. Um, dream scenario, Chris. Dream scenario, whether it be the Kings jumping up to draft one of these guys or if someone dropping, is there someone out of those big three up top that you that's like your best case scenario for the draft? Like if if this player falls to four, um, who who do you have your eyes on that's, that's your favorite, like your – number one choice. I mean, for me, it's Jabari Smith. I've, I've had a borderline obsession with him ever since the start of this college season. I mean, he, he came out the gates incredibly hot um, and stayed that way all season. Just his size. He's a legitimate six ten. He uh, can shoot the basketball like any, like, you know, he, he's, he's an incredible shooter. He's got range. Um, I just think his scoring ability and he, what he showed potential on the defensive end, I, I think he would be an ideal for um, a great stretch for someone like a Rashard Lewis um, kind of mold, um, a bigger Harrison Barnes even. Um, and I, I like that so much better than playing Harrison at the four. Um, and what's better than one Harrison Barnes than than having two? Um that that's kind of who who I have my eyes on, but also saying that you know I think I'm also not a big fan of Sabonis being our center, and I think someone like Chet Holmgren, who um, offensively can play on the perimeter, but defensively protect the rim the way he does, um, and he shows potential uh, to possibly not be uh, so Rudy Gobertish out on the perimeter, maybe be able to at least keep people in front of him. Um, I think his potential as just a, a two-way monster w- would fit incredibly next to Sabonis. So um, go figure the top two prospects I, I would ideally like to have. Oh, for, no, for sure, though. <laughs> I, I, I'm, on, I'm all in on Jabari Smith. Like I, Jabari Smith is the guy where when we jumped, I'm like, oh, my God. If they get yeah. the, number, the number two pick, it's literally a do-over from 2018. We can actually get a do-over again because Jabari Smith is a guy I think that can be – maybe the rookie of the year. Um, we also year. had his dad. Which we did. A former nice, Kings. interesting wrinkle. Former Kings legend. Definitely um, have not had that kind of situation before. 
if Chet Holmgren falls to four, and I I think there's a zero percent chance that happens. I think yeah. that one of the first three teams will take him. He probably will go number one overall, to be completely transparent. Uh his size, and I know he's 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 20. Uh these are kids, these are guys that are still going through, you know, growing into men, but seven feet, one ninety-five, it just is concerning to me. I mean, does that concern you at all? Just the the weight? Let me tell you, he's bigger than seven feet too. He he's definitely a seven two kind of guy, and uh, yeah, the weight is definitely concerning. I mean, people will will definitely be quick to bring up Kevin Durant and uh, Anthony Davis and other small guys, even though Anthony Davis has kind of filled out a little. He's but up. Um, there's no way he's Chet Holmgren will look like Anthony Davis at any point. I think Kevin Durant's body type is is probably a a more apt comparison for for what Chet will probably be. Um, it's concerning, for sure. Well, that's concerning um, because I mean Durant plays the wing and Chet's gonna be banging around in the paint with with centers. So yeah. it's kind of like you know I feel like Sabonis matched up with Holmgren. I mean Sabonis isn't even that big of like big big of a guy. Like he could outweigh and and kind of maybe almost bullied around Chet. So yeah, oh for sure. Um, I think the best. I mean it's gonna be a tough couple years, first couple years for Chet for sure in the paint. Um, he's not going to be able to 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 have the kind of success he had um, in college with in terms of of staying in front of people uh, in the post. But he does have speed, and uh, he is still a very good athlete. and And I think he is a good rim protector uh, off ball. And is that is that going to save him for a couple years until he can bulk up? I think so, um, especially with how special he is offensively as well. But uh, it's it's definitely going to be a matter of of how big he can get because even Rudy Gobert came in as a very very skinny tall kid, and it took him Giannis too three to four Giannis as well. Um, I mean, you put these guys in NBA strength and conditioning programs, they're gonna get bigger. I mean, we've even seen it with De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox was an incredibly skinny kid. Um, still has, you know, some some work to go on his body, but um, he, at least, you know, his upper body, he, he's been able to grow it out um, to to a fairly respectable size. I mean, we've seen De'Aaron in the past couple of years um, really start to attack the basket more and, and convert more and ones. And I think that's directly linked to uh, him getting stronger and being, um, you know, in the gym uh, for, I assume, 300 and. 50 days a year um and and you know chet's never had that kind of workout program before i'm sure he started during the summer and i'm sure there's going to be frank you better be ready there are going to be weekly probably monthly updates probably weekly i'm gonna say bi-week bi-weekly updates on chet holmgren's weight i guarantee you'll hear oh he's put on 25 pounds of muscle, Chet Holmgren. Like, yeah, he's not some skinny kid. And it's I happen. saw Chet Holmgren eating at Denny's last night. Yeah, he was. It's like uh, the reverse Demarcus Cousins. You remember for like the first couple of years of Demarcus's career, every summer he would come skinnier, and it's like, oh, like this guy, this guy getting doing, he's getting in shape. And uh, yeah, I, I just think it's going to take a couple of years for Chet, but I think eventually it'll all work out. And I mean, he he's 20, which is actually. Um, pretty old for for a freshman coming out uh, i think a, most of the guys i think aj griffin is like 20 or i'm sorry, 20 he's uh 18 and a half yeah so um, he's a true freshman yeah um you know it's not like chet is is uh is an 18 year old at least he's well, got he's got uh, a little bit further uh in his maturity what i want to know is if the kings draft king and murray it'll be back-to-back years they've drafted i believe the oldest player in the first round um <laughs> Keegan Murray, did he redshirt? I mean, I'm trying to look at his college. Uh, did he redshirt? I don't know if he redshirted or what, but he's he's going to be 22 this summer. Uh, in August, he turns Sounds 22. like a king to me. And that this is another reason why I'm I'm kind of – I feel like if I had to make a choice right now, um, our friend our friend Cam Salerno from the Sacramento Bee, he asked me a question this morning and said, you know, if you have a gun to your head and you have to make a choice right now. Relax, who, Cam. Who's your pick? I know. I was like, intense, Cam got bro. shooters. It's not that deep. Um, who do you have to pick? And I said, you know, I, I just I feel like it's probably Keegan Murray. And and the only reason why I feel like that's that he is the most likely pick right now is Monty McNair has not drafted a freshman 
in his two seasons as GM here. He drafted Tyrese Halliburton, who was a sophomore, um, who was about to be 20 years old. And he drafted Davion Mitchell, who I believe is the same age as De'Aaron Fox. I think he's 24, um, was 23 when he was drafted. So it makes me think, why would Monty McNair pass up a not, you can't say veteran, he's in college, but he's, he's, he was a sophomore somehow, 21 year old, who was a all American, offensively gifted shooter, plays defense, athletic. I just, I don't know how he passes him up for another guard. But again, these are things that were very frustrating last year. I mean, I can't remember who did who did we pass up last year where we were we were really frustrated and he drafted Moses Moody. Moses Moody because the Kings needed a shooting guard slash small forward, and we drafted another guard. So these are things that are frustrating um, with Monty McNair because he he might we might we might be sitting here saying, oh wow, maybe maybe Van Carroll falls to four. And we still take Jaden Ivey because we don't know what the front office is is do, thinking and what they, how they are gauging these prospects. They might have it up in their mind already who they want to take. So, um, be on the lookout for those rumors. Don't fall for 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 bait stuff, clickbait. Um, you know there there are sources out there that are really reliable. I mean, I think Sam Amick is a pretty reliable guy if it comes down to, um draft workouts or what the team's thinking. Um, I just think we should be, we should be careful about what we read and what we, the information we absorb the next month, because I gotta be honest, it's been a long two weeks, three weeks of just waiting for the lottery to come. And all I wanted to know is where are we going to pick? Where are we going to pick? Where are we going to pick? And now it's just changing to who are they going to take? Who are they going to take? And I feel like we, I am talking to myself, but I'm also talking to you out there. Um, need to not overthink it. Don't overthink it. Fourth pick. We're in a position of power. Do you agree, Chris? I think I think we're in a position of power. Absolutely. And I I kind of alluded to it earlier. Like they can really take a step back, evaluate all the prospects, see how they feel about them, get some you know get some feelers on trades. What what kind of value the number four pick has out there? What other teams feel? Um, you know, will will uh, they can get out of the number four pick? How they feel about the prospects, um, and you can kind of you know get everything in front of you and pick and choose which route you want to take. And it's definitely a power position. It's a lot better than um, being at seven and and just kind of at that point you you probably are waiting. A, until draft day to make an ultimate decision on what you're going to do because you kind of don't know what's going to be there and you don't want to miss on somebody you were really high on um, because you didn't expect them to fall. I think at four, you know, you can, if they are going to move the pick, I think they'll be swift about it and they'll, they'll have the ability to, uh, to, to do it without heading into draft night. Um, I, I, I definitely think it's a power position for them to be in. I, I absolutely agree. Speaking of power, um, sitting here at my desk, a massive spider just like outside my window on the screen. And I was gonna like open the window and kind of like flick it away, maybe, but um, I have power over this insect disappeared. Power. disappeared. Um, um, I thought you were gonna say, speaking of power, uh, oh geez, <laughs> I forgot we were gonna start with this. I guess we're good. It's only we finished. were going to start with this, but honestly, I think this fits a lot better to, to do it this way because I think this is gonna be the most impact. We got all the business out of the way. Now it's time for the passion. Um, news dropped uh, around classic a, news dump. A classic couple, news dump. A by the way, a couple hours before the NBA draft lottery, uh, Sean Cunningham, the wonderful, amazing, well-sourced Sean Cunningham, um, dropped that Anjali Ranadive, uh, daughter of Vivek Ranadive, our our governor. People, people out there in the media sphere are still calling these people owners. It's, it's actually governors now. Um, is it really? It is. Yes, they're they're the governors of the team. It's because uh, it's because you know just visual, you know, not visually, but uh, you, you don't you don't want to you don't want to say that 
these people own. Are you serious? These that, people. I Wait, swear. They, I, I am not joking. You can look this up. The The NBA does no longer, no longer refers to Mark Cuban as an owner. He is, he is the governor of the team. Jeez. I'm out of yeah. loop on this one. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Cause like I said, every, I've heard literally everybody, <laughs> everybody locally has, has referred to it as owner. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, yeah. He, anyways, that's pretty much the story. Is Vivek hired his daughter, uh, Anjali Ranadivi. Oh, I didn't even say the position to be the assistant general manager of the Stockton Kings, the Sacramento Kings G League affiliate. Um, just some initial thoughts is um, why assistant general manager of a G League team is an incredibly small position in the grand scheme of things, which I think is how Vivek viewed that position in terms of like, this is, this is a real role. It is definitely a basketball operations role, but in terms of PR at the end of the day, like she is not going to be making franchise altering decisions in this position. Here's a problem I have with, with it. Um, I started off with a thought process of, oh, you know, it's it's just a G League team. Yeah. And then I kind of sat there for a minute and was thinking, that's really messed up for me to think that because some people out there have worked like their entire lives yeah. that's to, to, to get to that point. And some people work as hard as they can. They never get that far to being an assistant general manager of basketball operations for a minor league NBA team. Um, and I, I can't remember who, who Anjali is going to be working with. I don't know. I think it was one of the head of scouting who is a fellow woman in sports and her qualifications are off the charts. She is completely credible. Definitely somebody who I believe belongs in a, in a, in a front office in the, the G league or NBA um, Andre Ronadive, I, I don't think it's unfair to say this is a classic case of nepotism. Um, I just don't think you can say with a straight face that she deserves this opportunity over some people that, um, are probably more deserving of being next to Paul Johnson in that chair. I just don't really know how you go from, I think she was a coordinator of social engagement and she was a musician. Now she's going to be in a pretty important position with guys that, you know, go back and forth between Sacramento and Stockton. And you made jokes, Chris, about her being the representative on lottery day. You weren't far off. I I mean, she she was she was definitely a part of lottery day. Yes. Uh yeah, I just I don't I don't like it. I don't like the, it. The the initial like when I first saw Sean's tweet about this, it looked like um oh, this is perfect. We both work at this station. Uh have you ever heard Jason Ross's Mad Libs? Yes, yes. It sounded like one of those. Like like he took a sentence out of Jason Ross's Mad Libs and he tweeted it out. It was Anjali Ranadive, assistant general manager, Stockton Kings. Like <laughs> those, it, it seems like a joke. Like it does, it, like you're saying, there's absolutely no qualifications for her to receive that, um, receive that title, that role, um, that level of responsibility. Um, and especially for it to just be done uh, through a tweet and not through a release or through um, them really having to explain themselves at all. Uh, I think that doesn't solve the problem at all, but I think I would have been able to digest it a little easier if, and here's the thing I do. Let's think about this from Vivek's point of view, because I, I can already hear what I think the logic makes sense. It's just, for it to be dumped how it was is a problem. Um, Vivek's thinking one day Anjali is going to run this team. Clearly, I, 
get murdered. I shouldn't say murdered. He gets absolutely killed is not any better. That's killed in the media. <laughs> he gets absolutely killed. Dragged. Dragged. He gets dragged. <laughs> I like those lesser degrees. He gets dragged um, for not making good basketball decisions. He's trying to put her in a better situation so that when she inevitably runs things, mm-hmm. she will have a better scope of how this thing runs and how, you know, the minutia of all the little things, especially as a general assistant general manager of a G League team, you're going to deal with a lot of really small things and just just the process of how everything works. You're going to have a good understanding and understanding of that. And I think that's why they have her in this role is it at in 2027, she's going to be the owner or GM. Doug Christie's going to be the head coach and Paolo Bancaro is going to be raising his third MVP uh, and Trophy. second finals MVP for the Sacramento no, Kings. Look, I, I, I can get behind that thought process for sure that, you know, Vivek is is getting older, and he he I believe he's what seventy years old now. Uh, Sixty four. <laughs> Let's just say Vivek has an HBO Max subscription for sure. He's been watching a ton of Succession, a ton uh, of losing, a winning, winning time, said losing time, <laughs> winning time, and he's like, you know, this Genie Bus character. I see something here, and he's like Logan Roy, that guy. <laughs> He knows he 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 knows how to how to prolong this succession Ken, thing. Kendall gotta, Roy, yeah. Kendall Roy and Siobhan. Uh No, I am. Um, I can get behind that thought that prop thought process that g- put her through the process and have her be educated on the way that these things work on the inside. And yeah, I feel good about that. I just feel like there was a position that probably could have been a little more. Um, I completely agree. less to chew on than assistant general manager of the Stockton Kings, because I've, I've thought about it. And like, I just feel like it's not that much of like a throwaway position. It's kind of like a big, no, it's really not. I it's, mean, it's a position that you can actually give somebody like you're saying, like that, like that scout that you were saying, uh, mentioning somebody who has legit credentials, um, and somebody who might have an actual, you know, uh, front office future. And you can use that as a maybe even in your own front office, you can, they can rise the ranks. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I don't mean to steal because your point, but to, to give it to give her assistant general manager is just too high of a position. No, and like, we, what were we saying? Oh, Vivek shouldn't be a part of this process. The free agency, coaching decisions, draft. Um, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll step out, hands off. I'm not going to be a part of this. But now his daughter's involved, so I'm just wondering: is, is she, I, is she going to be someone who's going to be open ears and eyes and listening and, and retaining information and, and there to learn, or is she going to be there to have input out the gates? Because I'm not okay with that. Like I'm just not. I'm not right now. I mean, you have to learn the training wheels need to come off. Maybe she'll turn into the next genie bus. Maybe she'll she'll turn the Kings into a dynasty. I hope that she does. I just the I way think there's other whole, ways of doing that. The way this whole thing happened, it was just super. It, it's just super out of nowhere. The timing is is interesting. How it was hours before the draft lottery. Um, I don't know how these things work. I believe that the lottery results were released, not released, but they are done an hour before. I don't think that, that Vivek or anyone knew. That's why they tried to to have it be a news dump or anything, but um, interesting timing and interesting position, interesting, everything. The Kings stand alone and being just the most interesting team in the NBA. So um, sorry, Anjali, not trying to drag you or anything. I mean, I hope, I hope that well, you are a basketball mind and you are going to come in and prove us wrong. I hope and that's another thing too, is like, it's not even a matter of like, I don't know. Maybe I, I've never spoken with Anjali. She might ha- be an incredible basketball mind and Vivek really feels like she can whatever. But it, it comes it does come down to the qualifications thing. And and if she if you are going to do this, like, yeah, however, go into the scouting department or something or or, you know, just <laughs> just to, to give her straight up assistant general manager again of the G League team is. It's it's just not a good look, regardless of how much actual power she has. It's it's what, just not. Is not she fourth or fifth? To happen. 
fourth or fifth in the feeding chain in Sacramento. What is it? It's Monty, Wes Wilcox. Um, well, Paul, I don't I mean, think the Paul assistant Johnson. general manager of the G League team really has say in any sort of, you know. Pa- Paul Johnson position. was a part of the coaching process here. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can't imagine. I just, I, I think that she will receive a lot of information and, um, maybe be consulted on things. But I, I just don't. I can't imagine that at the end of the day she will be her, her at the moment. I don't think as an assistant general, if if she is speaking as the assistant general manager of the Stockton Kings and not as. Vivek Ronadive's daughter, who has a front office position in the in the franchise, then I don't think that her, you know, I don't think she will have much much weight at this point in time. But again, I think that this is just a lot of grooming for the inevitable. I mean, she's going to take over in some capacity, whether it be have an actual front office role or step in for Vivek. I think at some point she will have um, say and a majority say over basketball decisions. It's just a matter of when at this point I'm watching the offer right now on Paramount plus um, through my COVID times, watching some things. It's just interesting show. Not, not a great show, not a bad show. I love the Godfather. Um, But one of the things that happened is uh, the, the head of Paramount did not like Al Pacino and the director, Fran Ford, Francis Ford Coppola, loved Al Pacino. So he's, they finally had a compromise. It's like, okay, you, I'll give you Pacino. You give me, um, you give me, um, what's his name from elf, um, to play Will Ferrell, uh, James Conn, Jimmy Conn, James Conn play. Yeah. Will Ferrell in the God for the Godfather. Um, compromise point is I could see this being a similar conversation with Vivek with Monty. I'll give you Mike Brown. You're going to give me what I want. And, Maybe this is a compromise that they made. You really think that? I, I that seems crazy. Like I'm. I guess that's that can't be out of the question for Sacramento. But that that seems absolutely. If if insane. I'm a if I sound like a pompous ass right now, and I'm <laughs> saying hey, no, I don't think so. I think I, I just I think, think that, a lot of people would agree that that is that would be on the table. I I don't I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm just saying I can see this. I don't know if that's a hey, what's you scratch my back, I scratch yours. But we knew there was disconnect a little bit that Vivek wanted Mark Jackson, and the Vivek of seven eight years ago would have said we're hiring Mark Jackson, deal with it. But this could be growth on Vivek's part by saying <laughs> this could be hey, growth is nepotism. Nepotism is growth. <laughs> it's a step in the right direction, maybe. I mean, I'm not gonna meddle, but I'm gonna put somebody in a position where they probably could. If I sound like an ass, I am sorry. I don't I think hope, you do. No, I I'm telling she's... you, I don't think you do. I just think with, to to. I, I'm not. I'm not saying you because again, I definitely think if you were to bring that up in conversation to just about anybody in town, they would definitely. You know, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They they would think like, oh, are you serious? Like that really? I, the fact that it is even available as an option that we can discuss in this world. Like it should not, that should not exist. Like just that level of like, that is, that is very toxic. (laughs) That is an incredibly toxic toxic conversation. If, if it truly did happen, this whole scenario, I choose to just act like that doesn't exist because if it does exist, which again, I'm not saying it doesn't, I just want to live in the world where it doesn't. I think then I cannot continue to support this team because that is that is just I mean nepotism is not how you succeed in life no I don't think you should be proud of that and I'm not saying she is and she might have the same idea as we do and maybe we hear from her at some point and she said yes. hey you know I do know my stuff and I I understand people are going to have these opinions of me and she probably knows that going in but it's on her to prove everybody wrong and and do a good job and and she's one of the voices in the room now she needs Absolutely. to be the the she's gonna be a and again her, she her brother Neil she will be forever like yep and as Anil, long her as brother. her team her father owns the team regardless of her having an actual front office position she is going to this is this is Vivek telling us right now this he is showing us his succession plan like she is one hundred percent going to have a role with this franchise moving forward forever 
point and Anil. We can't and, and we can't forget point, about Anil. We yes, and Anil, but she is at least more front facing at this moment. Yes. Um Anil was in the picture with with uh Luca. Which, he was a part of that process side, uh, I believe. Yes. But um so I say all this to say we all need to root for her because at the end of the day, her success, if if she does learn a lot of things and figure a lot of things out, that's only better for us because she is going to have a role here. So she might as well yep. uh, learn a lot and be great. So yeah. we're, we're rooting for you, Anjali, but boy, oh boy, you might want to talk to your dad about PR. Yep. You have to, uh, you have to hope that she's successful. I mean, whether also you agree with it or not, her in a very tough situation here. Yeah. I would also keep this quiet. I don't know why they had to put that in a release, you know, um, I know it's a, it's a proud moment, I'm sure in some ways for, for them, but um, you had to, you had to know temperature check that the, the fan base was not going to respond to this mm-hmm. positively. And if you look at Sean's tweet, the ratio is not insane. Great. Let me get a final tally on that ratio. I think it was how, how does Sean, I, and we'll, I'll, we'll for sure talk to Sean at some point and we'll probably get, get the scoop, but um, like how 415 does... quote retweets. How many likes? Retweets. Uh, it has as many quote retweets as likes. Eek. A one and for one. Res- there's 200 replies to a tweet. <sighs> uh, yeah, that, that, Goodness gracious. People are very upset by this. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, how, like, this feels like it's big enough to be like a Shams tweet or Woj tweet, and they didn't put anything out on it or, or even, you know, Mark Spears. For Sean to get it is very, very interesting, and I haven't seen anybody except for Jason Anderson confirm it. And not saying Sam, it's not true, just Sam Amick showed some emotion. He he all he did was quote it and put dots. He put three dots. Mm. So not being received will. well by people that are very plugged in with the organization. Just just mind you. Um so we're gonna have to hope she's she's gonna prove everybody wrong. That's all we can do. You go girl. You got you this. go girl. You're wrong though, Chris. You didn't didn't she uh, didn't, yeah. No, I was I was wrong. I've uh we both were wrong. I, I, <laughs> I said there's no way Sabonis would do it. I said this is too big for him. I definitely too, agreed too small with for that. Him. I 100% was like, what? He's he's a bigger deal than this. And he's like, no, I'm going to enjoy my summer. But, like, you know, he's a team player. And uh, that's what happens when you show up for your team, man. You get rewarded. It looked like he just Sorry, came from Dave. a wedding. Like he was like in a vest. Looking sharp. Looking, Look- looking like... He was, you know, probably like in a 007 movie or something. He definitely looked like a 007 character. Looked like 007 himself, maybe. Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, good vibes. Good good vibes from good De- vibes. from DeMontis. The reaction um, from from Lillard and Sabonis was really fun, too. Yes, just watching. the smile was hilarious. I love it. He, um, You know what? Let's talk about this for half a second here. Um, it turns out the Kings aren't a bunch of liars and Alvin Gentry actually had a front office position. I don't know why it took so long for it to get announced. Maybe they had to iron out the specifics of the job. Um, but Alvin Gentry, uh, I completely forgot what the title was, but it was, uh, pretty much um, in basketball development or something like that. I can try to pull it back. Yeah. I probably should have looked it up before I brought no, it up. That's okay. But, We're at the end uh, of the pod. This is a little housekeeping here. Yeah. A little housekeeping on Ron Dibes. And, um, Alvin Gentry is named Sacramento Kings Vice President of Basketball Engagement. Engagement. Oh, what maybe he means, took Anjali's job. What that means is he will assist with player evaluations, advise strategy using his vast coaching experience and relationships from his time in the NBA. He was present at the NBA Draft Combine this week along with Kings GM Monty McNair. Restaurant office. Yeah, so, I mean, I love Alvin Gentry. He was great with the media. Um, definitely a basketball mind. Like the guy knows basketball. Um, obviously it wasn't great as the interim head coach, but I don't think anybody would have really done a great job in that role. So um, you're paying him. Why not pay him to do some work? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of the mentality of it is, is like, Hey man, like we're going to give you this check and you know, you can, I guess you can golf if you want to, but Alvin, you've been doing this so long. Like, do you really, that that just doesn't seem like him and so i think uh i think this is a nice transition for him and he'll he'll take the year i'm sure and maybe you know maybe he can be the no the new joe dumars where he just kind of sticks around and has a has a big role but is, is very undefined 
Or maybe he just lasts the year, plays out his contract, and then retires, which is possibly the more likely. He he likes Sacramento. He said before he he enjoys the area. He likes mm-hmm. the. I mean, he's he's been here this so far this offseason, obviously, probably getting his new job worked out, and he's now with the front office. So he might be really hands-on next year. That'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm very intrigued to see how the how the, the how we start rolling out the pre-draft workouts because we'll we'll be there for those and it'll be interesting to see who's there. If it, will Alvin will Alvin be in attendance? Will he be working with the coaching staff at all as far as uh, communicating with with Mike Brown? I, I believe that they work together in Golden State for for a season or two. Um, so it should be interesting. I'm, 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 I like Alvin. I'm happy he's sticking around and you know, Alvin's sticking around. Yeah, no, Alvin was always good vibes and is a very funny guy and is a basketball lifer. And, um, you know, I think Alvin definitely has some, some experience and some, some insight that he can, uh, help with, with the coaching transition for sure. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with, uh, with Alvin coming in and, and, you know, helping Mike Brown get his feet wet as he's here, um, letting, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not going to be invasive at all, but, you know, I think uh, Mike would, would love to hear what Alvin's thoughts are on his team. Um, I think, uh, you know, I just think Alvin's one of the, one of the all time guys in the NBA and, and to have him stick around is definitely a good thing. Alvin and Mike Brown did not coach together in golden state alvin brown i think they, Al, they alvin uh, gentry yeah they, they overlapped right or uh as 14 was in 14 15 gentry was with the uh the warriors for their worst their first championship and then he he accepted the, the pelicans job that summer similar right. fashion to what mike brown did with the kings um yeah so they missed they missed each other by about a year so nope they might they might i'm sure they know each other though but um, yeah. I'm again, sure. not on the coaching staff. Gentry is in the front office, but um, as we saw in winning time as well, sometimes head coaches, it's hard to just not, you know, have some input here and there, especially when you're going to be working with Mike Brown that closely. So yeah, we will see. Yeah. Yep. Uh, is there anything else? Is I'm trying to think if it, it, it has been pretty quiet on the, on the Kings front recently. Did you watch? Here's something. Did you watch Davion Mitchell's YouTube uh, documentary? I did it's not watch it yet. Now. No, I, I watched. Meaning... I watched part one. Uh, I believe how many part? How many parts I, is it? I, I really don't know the answer to it, but I guess like five. Okay, that's I a don't lot. Know what makes me say that? Are they like ten minutes long or something? No, they're or? thirty. Okay, that's yeah. They're I mean, like I should have probably should have watched that during my first four days in quarantine. <laughs> it, it's a it's a decent watch. I was things that really stuck out to me were. Uh, Davion Mitchell's a lot more, I mean, he was hanging out with his friends a lot in the video, but uh, very expressive. Um, we saw a very reserved Davion Mitchell. I think he he started to open up later in the year, but um, for sure, I mean, you and I talked to him it, on media day, and uh, he seemed very, very nervous, just like a very internal, quiet guy. Um, and uh, he just was very expressive, obviously, like I said, around his friends, playing video games. Um, oh, my God. Incredible like all time this is an all-time quote from davion mitchell uh in that video series playing his friend in 2k his trash talk line incredible i play defense in real life <laughs> i play defense in real life bro locking down his friend saying Dude, i play defense in he's real not life. lying i love it he's I not lying absolutely effing love it like, i like davion mitchell check that into my veins I'm I'm um I'm I'm really torn on what what's gonna happen this summer. Like I feel yeah. like I feel like it makes too much sense for the Kings to float moving him because yeah. I feel like he's not a bench guard, but I feel like he also was not a two guard. So yeah, definitely. I think it's gonna be very interesting to see what the Kings do with him moving forward because it's uh it's looking like an interesting fit. I mean, yeah, if, if he's gonna be too good to hold on to the bench, but. And he was damn good. Not when, good in enough a starting to role. start at the two. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. And then, yeah, I, what what they do at the two. I mean, if they're going to draft Jaden Ivey at the um, at the number four pick, he would presumably play next to De'Aaron Fox. And what does that do for Davion Mitchell's minutes? It's it's going to be a wild summer, I think, man. And this is Definitely. the first step. The first step yep. to this summer was getting a number four pick. Because now I wrote a little bit today about how that just changes things. And it adds some value to to this Kings team this summer. I mean, they have another 
shiny toy to play with. So mm-hmm. let's get to deal with it. And uh, I'm excited to see what, what the pre-draft workouts are going to look like. I think we're probably going to get some, we already got some that weren't open to the, the media, but I would imagine we get um, some more notable names here at the end of May, early June. And uh, yeah, I think maybe we'll start doing some, some deep dives on each prospect. We'll get some mm-hmm. guests. Definitely. And we will um, do that redraft segment too. We'll there, to well, maybe next week we'll start doing the redrafts, and we also need to do our our year end of year breakdowns for positions. So, yeah, we'll do that eventually. Um, <laughs> COVID was on on the brain this past week, uh, but now we have our off season content's really rolling. That train is chugging yeah, along. So, definitely, uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited also to get out of my room. Hopefully, the next day or two. So, yeah, it'll be nice to have you back in in office. Everybody stay safe out there, you know. Please. Uh, COVID's making a comeback. Yes, it's it making is. Making a comeback. I've talked to like six or seven people that I know that have COVID as well right now. So, going around. Yep, uh, definitely going around. Uh, everyone be careful, be safe, because Frankie will tell you, I will tell you, it's not a fun time. No. No, 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 no. Uh, no. Shout out Pfizer, though. Shout out Pfizer for the OGs. Um for Frankie Cardicelli, I'm Chris Watkins. Thank you all for listening so much. This has been Return of the Roar. Please uh, be on the lookout for episodes coming early next week. Um, like we said, some draft previews, some some uh, prospect previews, and uh, our redraft segment. Thank you so much. And y'all have a good one. Uh, bye-bye. Peace.